Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it in for two seconds. Unbelievable. And he used to tell me, those places are great, but there's no place like Kansas. All right, folks, what's good? Another episode, Ain't No Seas podcast. And we, we've we got a fun one to recap a little bit. We, we did a live show after... Um, I was operating a vehicle. We didn't have AB. It was it was just very quick thoughts. Um, and so we wanted to hop on, talk a little more about the Indiana win, but also just start to look at the big picture of this team, really figure out uh, what we all think on this team, because I think there may be some differing opinions based on some early discussions here. So B-Turn. I know you gave thoughts Saturday, but like, where are you? How are you feeling about the win Saturday? Are you, you know, is that what you expected? I can't even remember what we predict, what you predicted personally from last week. I was obviously very worried about this game for KU. Um, I know AB was pretty confident, so we'll we'll see. Right. We're, we're, how did you think it all went down? Yeah, it kind of went down how I expected. I knew Indiana fans would be looking forward to that game for a while have it circled and I knew it would be packed out. I knew their team would respond after getting blown out against Auburn. So I, I knew it was going to be a tight game. Um, I didn't, I didn't expect to be down double digits and in doubt that KU was going to find a way to win it, but yeah, it kind of went how I expected. I still, I feel fine about the team. Um, I don't, I don't think you can sit there and just name a ton of teams that are head and shoulders better than KU right now throughout the country. Um, college basketball can just be ugly. We've talked about that a lot. We hyped up Marquette after Maui and stuff, and then they kind of get pumped at Wisconsin. So it's just kind of how college basketball is every year. There's a select few years where there's like a dominant team or a couple dominant teams. Like I obviously Nova in 2019, I think everyone knew, um, but I KU's got four guys. We've talked about it that you know what you're getting from them, and um, they they compete and play at the highest level. So I still I still feel good about those four starters. Just need obviously need a fifth guy. I think El Marco is progressing a little better, and yeah. some guys off the bench. But still feel fine about those four that we always talk about: KJ, Kev, Hunter, and Dewan. Yeah. Uh, AB, so you did not get to give your thoughts on Saturday. You were definitely in our group chat, you, and this is what I was bringing up at the beginning. It felt like you were starting to, you know, you were the guy, you said this team's going to go win 29 regular season games. And by the way, that prediction's looking fine right now. You could argue like, or, it's still crazy, but it's possible. There's nothing about what's happened so far that, you know, they've really gotten through probably the second toughest stretch of their entire season, other than the end that we will have later in conference play. But, uh, I guess, get, what was your reaction from the game Saturday? You obviously thought we were going to go in handle business pretty easily. You were very low on Indiana. You forgot how stupid college basketball is and that crowds, for whatever reason, cause teams to play 10 points better. Um, where's your head at? 
I think I'm fine with – I don't know. It's so hard because you start naming all the guys on the team, and you're like, yeah, how could they not be good? Not convinced they work that well together. Uh, we'll see. It's still early, and Bill Self hasn't had his Christmas break yet, which is when we know that everything starts to trend upwards. So I'm not going to sit here and act like it's doom and gloom and that KU's fucked this year. They're not. Like They're going to be fine. They're going to win a lot of basketball games. Um, I'm concerned about other things. The offense just – it's mm, it's frustrating sometimes. It really, really is. And I was looking at something on Ken Palm today. You guys might be shocked, but he has us as a top fifteen three point shooting team in America. But guess yeah. where we maybe guess where we are in amounts the amount of threes taken. It's got to be way below three hundred. Two eighty five. Three hundred twenty two. So it's oh, like I was gonna say, you're because... hitting them at like almost a forty percent clip that they're making threes at. I get there's no true shooter on the roster really but like the guys shooting them are making them right i think 11 game sample size that's that's a third yeah. of the regular it's more than a third of the regular season so like we're kind of at the point when you start looking at that kind of stuff the spacing's a problem and if the guys that are shooting the threes are going to make them we're probably going to need them to start shooting more of them which we'll see what happens but it, it's just i have major concerns on offense which i never thought i would say when we have Dewan so, and McCuller and KJ and Hunter and all these dudes come off the bench. It just it's not what I thought going into the season, but I still think that overall they're probably gonna be fine. So we keep and I totally agree. The spacing is a problem. KJ, we've we've hammered this point home. Like KJ doesn't make a whole lot of sense next to Hunter. But at the same time, you look at it and KJ's putting up better numbers than a lot of a lot of us probably expected him to on this team. Uh Hunter Dickinson is still averaging 19 and 12 now. Maybe who knows? Maybe he could go out and average 24 and 12 with better spacing, but it's really it's not like we're missing much. It's not like the spacing is causing Hunter Dickinson to not be able to play well. So so then I sit back and I'm like, okay, what is truly the problem? I guess you know, the spacing could maybe I guess what happened? Let's let's think of a scenario where the spacing improves. I don't know, I don't think it's possible because it would require KJ Adams to be capable of hitting an outside jumper and it would require Dewan Harris to get aggressive from outside. And I just don't think we think those things are happening, but like with better spacing, what does this current team, the way it's constructed do better? It helps Hunter, but yeah. who else does it help? Maybe probably Kevin, I guess, getting to the I bucket and stuff as a team. Why? And I was going to get to this later on too, with just overall concerns, but I think it, the biggest thing it helps with is turnovers. Like right now when I watch, I see a bunch of Dewan Harris driving under the basket with no idea where the hell he's going or KJ trying to make a little pass to the wing and they don't see it coming and it bounces off their hands and goes out of bounds. Like this team full of seniors and experience somehow has some of the most dumb turnovers I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think that honestly is a little bit of spacing, like whether it's guys playing out of position guys, you know, whatever it may be, but they're barely middle of the pack in terms of, turnover rate and like you'd think a team with bill self-coaching and a bunch of seniors that have played a lot of college basketball that might be figured out but every time they play a big game it feels like i'm about to bash my head into the wall because there's another turnover three possessions in a row so i I, that may solve it i don't know but i see your point too because it's like i mean do we expect kevin mcculler to score 27 points a night and hunter dickinson to go 30 and 15 every night no that's not realistic at all but 
Um, yeah, and it probably it would make their lives easier. It probably better for the longevity of this team if Hunter Dickinson can go get twenty and twelve without maybe working as hard as he probably has to. And same with, I mean, Kevin works his ass off to score the points he does. So it, yeah, it would definitely improve. And I'm not saying it's not something we need to fix, but it was just something that hit my brain the other day. Like, well, what really would change that much? And I think it would make Dewan a better, you know, Dewan's assist rate may go up. Dewan may be better overall, but yeah, it's just, it, this is what I said with you, B turn. It's a weird, it's a weird team. But it is what it is, and there's been plenty of weird college basketball teams that make deep runs because the thing about it is they're going to stay in most games they play. It's going to be close. I think we can all agree that. They're not going to get blown out in tons of games. So then you get down to the final five minutes of basketball games, and it's close, and I would have a tough time. This team is not the best team in the country. But is there any other team you would take in the final five minutes of a basketball game over this team right now in college basketball? I think I it's think hard to confidently say. I mean, obviously, maybe just a really talented Arizona team, but I don't, I don't know. What do you think, B-Turn? No, yeah, it's it's early in the season, so it, there's still a ton of games to be played. I haven't watched a ton of college basketball, so it's hard for me to just think of a couple teams off the top of my head. But yeah, like you said, you got. A.B. talked about the upperclassmen. I talked about the four guys that you can really trust, especially down the stretch that have played in these bigger games. Um, a couple of these guys have won national titles. Hunter obviously has a ton of experience. Kevin with Tech and KU. So, yeah, I trust those four down the stretch, especially um, there's been nights where we don't shoot it that well from the free throw line, but Kev, a guy that gets to the line more than anyone, has shooting it over 80%. I know he missed the front end. Um, at one point, but then he made, he made the rest of his free throws on Saturday. So yeah, I, I trust those guys down the stretch. Like, yeah, the turnovers, um, the turnovers are, are baffling. Sometimes the one that KJ dropped was crazy. And yeah, Dewan, he's averaging 2.6 turnovers a game, which he was 2.0 last year. So that's up a tick. Um, but yeah, I, I trust them late, late in games because I can't really think of a game this year where they really crumbled down the stretch. Maybe I'm wrong. I know Marquette was just not close, um, but yeah. until, until they do that, but yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to touch on the three point shooting a little bit and I have a trivia question for you guys, which I feel like this will kind of give it away a little bit, but who has attempted the second most threes on this Kansas team? Mm-hmm. Kevin's one. Mm-hmm. Is it- I'm going to say, one? I'm going to say um, in between Dewan and Johnny Furphy. I'm going to say I think Dewan's probably the right answer, but I'm going to say Furphy. Could be Hunter, too. It is Furphy. Furphy has attempted 30. Um, No, Furphy has attempted 31. Timberlake's 26, third most attempts. He's Um, shooting 13% from three, isn't he? Is that what I read? Let's see here. Timberlake is seven for 26, 27%. Um, Yeah, the Dewan thing. It's funny you guys said Dewan. He attempted one more three than El Marco Jackson this year. Does that not seem crazy? It does seem. Doesn't feel like he's shooting, like El Marco shoots many jumpers at all. I guess you kind of think about the Kentucky game with Dewan, but yeah, um, not shooting threes too much. Dewan's 11 for 24 from three, 46%, and Hunter's 11 for 20 at 55. So that's, it makes sense that our three point percentage is so far up, but that's because they're not attempting many. Um, but God, I, it just feels like obviously basketball's transitioned into. So 
launching threes and like UConn last year, you see them get hot with Jordan Hawkins and all those electric guards and especially from deep. So it's just, it's, that's what we've always said is the guard play thing where go ahead. I just, I, sorry. I'm just, I don't want to come off as negative about Dewan because I know everyone is unfair to Dewan at times, but like at what point, we're now 27 and 1 when Devon scores 10 plus points a game. 27 and 1. At what point does it become like a flat out there is no excuse. You can't be like, "Oh, he's passive. He's unselfish." To me, you're getting to a point where it's becoming selfish of Devon. It's like the Brandon Rush thing. It's like Bill Self used to make Brandon Rush run when he would pass up a shot. And like Devon is getting to the point where and I would never, Dewan is the least selfish person ever. So I don't want to actually put that word next to him, but it's just like, dude, you got to maybe get uncomfortable a little bit and try to score a little more because we flat out need you to, we're better when you do. And we just don't lose very many games when you do. Um, so I don't know. Like I know CB on the pod was like, he's not going to change. That is who he is. And yeah, we can accept that, but is that almost like a knock on him too? Like, at what point does it become a knock? And I, I hate this. I don't want yeah. it to seem. This is me more me just like thinking out loud. But it, it. I want Dewan to score more because he deserves to score more, and he should, and he's good enough to. It's like it's like wanting to see someone fully understand their potential. <laughs> Well, and that's the crazy thing is the fans say it, but I think the coaching staff says it even more. They, they get on Dewan to shoot it because they know he can. And I talked about it um, on Saturday, how if Dewan catches it, I know he's a D1 college basketball player, but he, they, he gets left open all the time. We know that. We've seen that throughout his career. If he catches it in stride right in his chest, spot up, wide open jumper, I feel like I feel really good that he's going to knock it down. He's hit him in the big moments. I'll never forget Villanova when he wasn't shooting at all. He comes out against Villanova, hits two or three threes in that final four in 2022. So I I feel really good when Dewan takes set jumpers. And yeah, I think obviously March is about guard play. I know you have Kevin McCuller, who's more so a wing. So you need a lead guard that can take over. And Dewan Dewan said it. He said he'll shoot when he needs to. Um, I don't know how true that is. He did it against Kentucky um, and he did it but he didn't do it in Maui. So that was weird because they, they kind of pressured Dewan. Um, they put a lot of pressure on our ball handlers and he didn't really try to take over. It was kind of just Kev taking the ball and um, penetrating. So I don't know. I, I was looking at his game logs from last year and I'd have to go back, but there was, there was a ton of games in big 12 play where Dewan was in double figures. So maybe he turns it up during big 12 play. I don't know, but, we, we need a guard that can go and a guard that can get a bucket whenever they want. And credit to Dewan on Saturday. He did make some big shots. He bullied their point guard in the post, made a layup, made a couple couple tough um, floaters and a couple wide open threes. So credit to him. But, yeah, I, we feel confident when he shoots and he can score it. So we want him to shoot it more. The staff wants him to shoot it more too. Yeah, and I guess that's my, you know, just how you finish that up where, like, Dewan – he has delivered in most of our, you know, when we've needed him to Kentucky, Indiana, I can't, I guess UConn, he wasn't very good, but uh, it goes back to my point to AB. It's like, yeah, we're not going to be pretty. We're not going to get there, but then you get to the final couple minutes of a basketball game 
And that's where the majority of college basketball games feel like they're won, especially in March. So that's the one, if you're just looking for a way to convince yourselves that this team can win a national title and make a final four right now. um, And it's still way early to make any assumptions either way, but that's what has me excited is that they're definitely not close to what they can't, what they will be or what they can be. And they're still finding ways to win these, win these close games against pretty good teams or, or tough environments, whatever you want to call it. Um, AB. Mm-hmm. So you're an analytics guy. Yeah. Analytics. Ken Palm right now. Can I say something really quick before we get back yes. into KU? Yeah. I'm, I, I was looking at Ken Palm and I'd seen this logo up at top for, you know, about a year now and I just never clicked on it. Do you know Ken Palm has a, a different website called doubletakeout.com that ranks individual curling athletes in the world? No way. Swear to God, I'm looking at it right now. Shouts to Joel Retornaz from Italy. He's the number one curler in the world. What? I, it, that's I what understand. I'm saying. It, it's just like a completely different website where he uses analytics to rank curlers, like the Olympic uh, thing. You know what I'm talking about? Can you about? imagine... <laughs> Can you imagine being Ken Palm's brain, like the things that I go wish. on in that guy's head? I mean, yeah, we're not going to go to deep dive on how absurd can I go, it is what Ken Palm's figured out. Can I go on like a little deep dive about Dewan last year in Big 12 play? It's quick. <laughs> I mean, I, it's quick. Uh, yeah, it's we go on a dive. lot of Dewan deep dives, but yeah. Go um, so 18 games, right? Conference play at 18? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, double figures 13 times. Which isn't, I mean, it seems kind of crazy for Dewan, especially when you have Grady, Jalen, um, who Kev. So he was like the fourth, fifth option. If you KJ, here's we lost five Big Twelve games. Here's what he did in those five games: three, zero, two, two, five. Yeah. So thirteen games he scored in double figures. The other, we, the other five games all? he scored a combined twelve points. Yeah, it and that's like my exact point. Like it it's and I guess we'll see. He came up big and a lot of those games we needed him to, and he I trust that he will this year too. But now it's like it's year four. We see those numbers, and obviously he's not gonna just go out and automatically get ten points a game. But I would bet if you go back and watch those games where he scored two and zero and and three. It wasn't because he was just clanking a bunch of shots. It's because he wasn't looking to score. And so that's the thing I can live with. And I know he'll still get dragged if this happened. But if he shot 0 of 10 in a Big 12 game, set, missed seven threes and three floaters, he would get, you know, people would be so mad. But deep down, I think I would be sitting there like, okay, that, you know, sucks. But I'd rather go down Dewan being 0 of 10 than Dewan being 0 of 2 with two points or like two free throws or something. I actually have kind of a cool stat. Um, so we're 27 and one when he scores double figures, or what is it? I think it's mm-hmm. 27 and one. Yeah. Do you know what the only loss is? Probably Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. So he's 27 yeah. and 0 under Bill Self as the head coach when scoring in double figures. Well, maybe not because he probably had double figures in one of the Big 12 tournament games. But yeah, you're right. Okay. He's never no lost. Losses. <laughs> no losses <laughs> under Bill. Yeah. Yeah. That that's crazy. I mean, it is a wild stat and I'm sure it's, I would be curious to look up like other teams that have point guards or they all have point guards, but like, (laughs) I'd be curious to see what other teams in the country, their records are when their point guards score double digits. Like, is this just 
normal? What was our record when Tyshawn scored double digits? Probably not even close to this because he did it almost, he did it a lot more. So it's a really weird stat. I just don't know how it compares to like other type situations similar. But uh, yeah, (laughs) at the end of the day, as you just laid out, this team will, the success of this team will fully depend on how good Dewan can be because it the numbers prove it. So it's weird, but it is what it is. Um, so every game he didn't score in double figures in Big 12 play, we lost. Yeah. That's insane. Okay, there was one game I missed. First game of Big 12 play, Oklahoma State, that we did win. He had six points, so I missed that one. So it must be 12 in double figures. But basically we won, we won every Big 12 game last year when he scored in double figures, which is like 12 of the 13 Big 12 wins. And I think it's awesome that 12 of the 13, he got double figures. Like, I would be very thrilled if you told me that DeWan scores double figures. And, well, would I? Because I kind of just want DeWan to average 12 a game, 10 a game. Like, I think that's possible. But maybe that's maybe that's crazy. Um, before we – I want to talk a little bit about just the Indiana, like, actual series and getting to play there and and just that whole environment but i have this written down and i want to talk about it it's completely random did you guys see john fanta's tweet about zach Eady? no and i like john fanta just a wholesome guy loves college hoops we need more guys like him in the college hoops like universe but he called and i don't know maybe i'm wrong he called zach Eady a universal or a generational college basketball talent. Now, I'm not here to completely say that's insane, but is it? Is he truly a generational talent? I mean, it's hard because he is 7'4", and he's like not just a blob of space. But but like how many college players win two national players of the year and win 60 games over two years? Like. He was but getting dragged for it, and I at first I read it, and I was like, God, that's crazy, like prisoner of the moment. But then it's like, I mean, I don't know how you look at it, though, because he's not going to get like, he's not going to get drafted in the first round, is he? I mean, I don't follow mock drafts. I don't know that Zach Eady is going to be like a super high draft pick, though. No. And if he he's saying call. like talent, I know he said college talent, but like when I hear the I word, guess when- and all I can see is like peak basketball skill and like, if he wanted to go play in the NBA for 15 years, he would like, I don't know that I see that with him, but yeah, who, I guess that's, that's the, the thing with him is he's not like crazy skilled. I think he's really coordinated for how big he is, but yeah. he's not like a dude that's going to blow you away, jump out of the gym. Like people see Zion as like a generational talent, but Edie's just a seven, four guy, seven, five, whatever he is that catches it in the post and dominates and makes free throws and stuff. Um, do you guys want to laugh really quick? Yeah. None of those Dewan stats I said were even remotely true or accurate. So I don't know what the what's going on in my brain or what I'm looking at, but I think it's like eight or nine games he scored in double figures. So I just had to say that because like someone yeah. like Adam Sullivan's probably listening and he will tweet at me and be like, Beats her oh, you're yeah. high as a kite. Like, what are you doing? But regardless, those five big toe bosses, any undefeated as Bill as the head coach. But yeah, Edie. Like you said, he's he's not going to blow you away. Of course, his yeah. stats, like his stat lines, are going to be thirty-one and fifteen, twenty-eight and it, seventeen, stuff like that. So yeah, he 
I mean, he should though. I feel like like seven. I know there's uncoordinated well, seven five guys, but but it is hard because he is seven four and he's coordinated and he makes free throws. Like maybe that does make him a generational talent because. My- but it's like Zion, yeah, like Zion was just he. There's been plenty of athletic guys, but never the athleticism of a guy built like him. And mm-hmm. then, like I was trying to think of other when I read that tweet, I was like, who are generational college? Like Kevin Durant at the time was a generational talent because we had never seen a seven six eleven guy handle the ball and shoot threes like that. Now that's becoming somewhat more normal over time, but not really. Um, Maybe even call Anthony Davis a generational, just the but. But I guess my question with his comment would be, what exactly does he mean by college talent? You know, because like those other guys you just named, I would see as like basketball talent, but that's kind of where my mind went too, because those are number one overall picks and like generational high school recruits. And so I don't know, I, I would need like more of an explanation of what he means, but when he put college and talent together, it's where my brain's getting confused. But again, it's yeah. it's not simply because he's seven foot five, because Connor Vanover fucking stinks and he's <laughs> seven foot five. So it's like he's got and Purdue, a lot of Purdue has a seven five guy every year. Yeah. Like, so like so. it's it's I hate when people say he's only good because he's so much bigger. I was like, Well, I'm sure he's better than he would be if he was six foot eleven instead of seven four, but like he's still yeah good. Like, yes, like, like he's still really good. I don't know. Have I don't know if we've touched or if any of you have said this, but like have we seen We've seen someone like Edie, right? Or is he just like there's gotta be was there any dominant like seven five guys? Kenny George. What was that guy's name that Tyler <laughs> Kenny George. <laughs> Yeah. Uh I mean that's I mean, a great point be... though. If we can't sit here and say there's another seven four guy that just dominated college basketball, then yeah, he probably is. How because Amy's right. It is yeah, because there's been seven footers. Yeah, I mean, Hunter I Dickinson's like listed at seven two. So, like to me, it's like mm-hmm. it—they're pretty dang close. But Edie is just a different level. The way he can just grab boards effortlessly above people. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't bring it up to like bash uh, John Fanta. It just—I saw him getting my your initial reaction when you read the tweet is like, "Holy crap! What a stupid tweet!" But mm-hmm. the more I sat there and thought about it, just as I have as we talked through it, it's like. That is interesting. Like he is pretty unique. The fact that we can't even come up with another seven four or seven three guy that has dominated the way he has. I'm sure there's guys out there. So if you remember, comment. By the way, good time to remind you all: subscribe to the Kareem YouTube channel. Abdul-Jabbar. Subscribe, subscribe. Yes, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Actually, <laughs> Luau Sender is what he went by. People forget that. <laughs> uh, can I interrupt uh, you for a second, skilt? just to let people know that in the moment right now. The Philadelphia Eagles are tied with Drew Locke and the Seahawks. Who scored for them? Kenneth Walker, like a 25-yard run. Wow. They seem a little fraudulent to me. Two things about Drew Locke. Oh, yeah, their defense is bad. Bad, 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 bad. Two things on Drew Locke, M-I-Z, first of all. Uh, Second of all, never mind. not going to say it. Okay. Not going to say it. Wow. Okay. So, I want to talk. Rocket ship wife. Oh wow! Nice. All I loved that. I thought it was going to be way worse. I didn't know what you were. Gonna I didn't say, know how but... to word it. I felt like I should probably be as rocket ships. What he came up with after <laughs> some thought. <laughs> exactly. Just imagine what it was thirty seconds ago. Uh, 
Okay, um, but I did want to touch on Indiana and just how awesome it was playing at Assembly Hall and how badly I would like to go see a game. I really do think um, – I don't know if consistently they have a good atmosphere as much as Allen Fieldhouse do, but I do think if I had to pick another place to go for like a big game, big setting, it might be Indiana over Cameron Indoor and over – I don't know. Really? Is that crazy? Is that a crazy take? It's crazy to me, but I see your point. Um the arena gotta be a big game gotta be Kentucky Indiana gotta be Purdue Indiana KU Indy like gotta be something like that right because they just they've been so average for 30 years like when was the last time they made a final four was it 02 when we went Tom cover what was that guy's name Coverfield I don't remember Jay Williams I, I just remember being salty and would not watch that national title. Remember game. they beat Jay Williams in the uh, Sweet 16? He had a four-point play and then missed the free throw. Electric stuff. No one remembers games quite like you, Coach. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Coverdale was his name. Indiana point guard, 2002. Yeah, I have. Hmm, 2002. I've heard, from, I've heard from multiple sources now that I don't really know if I need to put this out there but Juan Dixon was like out partying on Bourbon Street the night before they played us and he still went for like 37 or something. You're thinking that's Maryland not in Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> but either way they beat Indiana. That final four. Yeah yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. That's sickening. I didn't even want to hear that because Juan Dixon was phenomenal and I that was like the first final four game I remember truly like caring about or obviously mm-hmm. but like locked in for um so but it made me think and i don't know like b turn we were talking about this before the pod before we hit record like we don't play that many fun non-conference road games you've had the pac-12 games did we there used to be a big 12 pac-12 challenge right so is that where a lot of those came from like ucla kind of looked like it and we played a lot of them there was, yeah, at Colorado. Um, there was a really gross game at Cal, I remember, like in 2011. Yeah. We were just looking. They, I don't remember this game somehow, but they won at USC like 53-47 or something the year they nice. went to the title game against Kentucky. Um, but, yeah, I'm, so I guess a game that really sticks out to me um, is the Ohio State game. I thought that was really cool, like CBS – was that a Sunday? Feels like it. No, I feel like it was early Saturday afternoon. But it was a I Saturday. Could, you could convince it? me. It was. Yeah. It was still during NFL season, so we wouldn't have been on CBS on a Sunday then. True. Yeah. Um, I want to say 11 a.m. Saturday game. Or I was noon. at. I was at Fazoli's working. But yeah, Mac. That's kind of when Macklemore. I mean, we everyone had talked about how good he was before that freshman season, but that was kind of his coming out party. He caught that lob. Um, on an elite Bill Self um, out-of-bounds play. And then after, there was those videos of him dancing in the locker room, and that was kind of the point where everyone was like, damn, this dude is unbelievable. I know he had been hooping, but that was kind of like the coming-out party. And obviously he ended up being a lottery pick. But, yeah, that was – that 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 game always sticks out to me for some reason because Benny Mack is always one of my favorites just because he was so electric. Like, you don't – you don't see that many yeah. freshmen that good at KU. Yeah, and he, nobody's still to this day floated through the air quite like he did. Like the way he dunked, I don't know how to explain it. It was just different. 
people probably jumped higher, but no, he just looked it's... more smooth. And the way his jumper was, it was just so – he was just a beautiful basketball player. Everything about his game, other than, you know, wish he maybe could have dribbled a little better. But still, electric basketball player. But, yeah, I mean, that game – is one that stands out. And then you've got all the Kentucky games, but those are games that are like forced through a challenge. Whereas like what I want to see that game Saturday. And I think Matt Norlander had a great tweet where it's like, you just look at the screen, you see KU's road blues, you see KU white or Indiana white. You see the, the crowd and the red and the white. And it's like, it just is appealing to the eye. You look down, you see Kansas, Indiana. That's what makes college basketball special. That's what's awesome to watch. And we need more games like that. So it's like, and I'm going to pose this question to both of you boys right now. And actually, I want you to answer at the exact same time. And then we can talk about if they're different, if they're the same. But we get to schedule one home and home with a team we've never had a home and home with in like the last 15, in the Bill Self era. There's only one. Yeah, that's what. Three, two, one, go. Duke. Duke. That's what I was going to say. We should do no Duke. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a yeah, couple under the radar ones. Those are the two best, sick. best buildings. And like, if you talk well, about, about the best atmospheres, it's Cameron and Al. Already got that scheduled. Yeah. That's We're tough. On there next and year, baby. Arizona's tough because they're coming to the big 12. Um, my, and we played UConn this year, so it's tough saying them, but I would love to go play there, especially a lot of their fans on social media were like, Bill Self would never come. Bill Self plays the toughest non-cons every fucking year. We play in the Champions Classic. We play a really good SEC team. We'll play a ranked team. Like, Bill, he we does not care. like every other year. We will win these games in November and December, and literally in the locker room after, he'll say, guys, this doesn't matter, but – obviously be happy and celebrate, but this does not matter at the end of the day. Like he would gladly go there and get pumped. Another example, Villanova, we've had to play them in the Sixers arena. We lost by a hundred. We were undefeated. Um, so yeah, UConn came to mind and then UCLA. So it'd be fun. I but would love, as long as UCLA is like top of their game, because yeah. we've done that with UCLA before and they just haven't been really good. Except for... Remember the Mario Little foul at the end where he made free throws with no time on the clock? Well, because a lot of this, I, w- I was thinking, like, before we talked, could be, like, us as fans making trips. So, like, mm-hmm. we could look at, like, one of the teams we play, like, going to their city, obviously L.A. or wherever the hell it is, go do drugs with Bill Walton or something out there. It's a dream. <laughs> um, Gonzaga's got to be up there. Gonzaga's, like, yeah. my number one after – Duke, really? Which was supposed to happen? Are they coming to the Big Twelve? Yeah, they were supposed to. That home and home was supposed to be starting this year. Yeah, COVID. I'm pretty I think. positive. But or, I thought this was. It was supposed to start COVID. back in 2021, and I think COVID threw messed up the schedule, didn't it? I don't know. Something I feel like it, it just randomly disappeared. I thought it was even more recent than that. Like I thought they were on this year's schedule, and then they got taken off. I've got yeah. another random one that none, none of you guys will be able to guess. Uh, Grand Canyon. I'd love to play at Grand Canyon <laughs> University. I'm dead serious. Yeah. I don't know it about the home fun. and home because, like, they'd lose by 30 at Allen. But, like, with as much as they hype up their student section and the way it is, it just feels like a cool environment to play in. I don't know. Well, this is one we've done before. Michigan State. I'd be down yeah. to have it come back if Izzo could get that team playing at a competitive level. Get Matt just Kleinman kidding. Some, uh, They're back. 
Get Matt Kleinman some real run in that game again. Yeah, who they beat this weekend? The old uh, Baylor Bears, culture like of joy. Smacked them, right? Killed them. Mm-hmm. It's like 45 to 10 at half. Yeah, is there is there any others that pop up? I literally like went through like Ken Palm teams and went through them. Um Duke, obviously. I mean, Bama, we all it's nothing. Michi- That's not like sexy, Michigan but we if like they stayed. We've done a Michigan home and home before, which has been fun. We won an overtime game in 2010. Michigan just doesn't excite me from a basketball standpoint. I don't know what it is. But they played in like two of the last 10 national title games. So they are like still a big brand. But yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not, you're not going to see the type of atmosphere you saw even for like UConn. Um, not at the Chrysler Arena. What about, uh, God, I just had their name. Where'd they go? Oh, they're not good. What about Butler? Seeing KU at Hengle? That'd be cool. See, yeah, That'd we need some trip. out of the box ones like that where it's yeah. a good atmosphere. In Grand Canyon would be fun. Yeah. That would be great. Those. I mean, Utah yeah, State, the, they started the I Believe chant. There's okay. definitely some Pac-12 schools that we've already done, but yeah, UCLA, USC, Arizona would be probably my answer, but we've done that, and they're coming to the Big 12. Obvious answer is Duke, but mm-hmm. I don't know who like an obvious second would be. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I forget. So UNC, we have 100, that's set. It starts next yeah. year. We start. They're coming to Allen Fieldhouse. You've absolutely sure. tweeted about this. I know I have. I just I and I knew it was happening for some reason. I guess it were our, yeah. it's 2025 next year, basically. I That's keep forgetting wild. that time just flies by. Yeah, um, November 8th, 2024, and November 14th, 2025. Next year's at Allen, the year after is at UNC. So it's literally like the first game of the year. Dude, we gotta oh watch fuck yeah. I gotta like we start been walking for that. You know those games where it's like you have to plan your entire life around? Like I was in work meetings last year being like, okay, December 8th, can't do it. Missouri's coming out on Fieldhouse. We're talking about like events in a year. And I'm like, can't do it. Missouri. Like that's how UNC is going to be. It's like, oh, they got a wedding? <laughs> Won't be there. Sorry. If it means UNC. anything, it does help that it's on a Friday night, like the UConn that's, game this oh, year. I love that. I love it. And yeah. it could be opening game of the season. It, I bet Dude. we'd play a game on like that Tuesday against – eastern washington or some shit but like yeah it'll be the it'll how be did there. i for i mean now that you've said this i totally remember it yeah. wow it's I'm the totally... friday before uh for champions so yeah that'd it be, really that'd be a nice five-day stretch when we get carolina and would it be duke carolina duke and then are we playing yukon again on like a neutral floor or is that just a one-time thing because their fans kept being like oh bill self's not going to come play at our stadium or arena he's going to want to play it wherever like they play in I don't know, bigger places sometimes, I think. Yeah. So, but yeah, Duke's the obvious one. I think it could happen. Shire played Arizona this year, but I don't know. We will see. It makes no sense for it not to happen. It's crazy for as much as college basketball isn't cared about mm-hmm. in at this time of year. Even like the UConn game, now stupid, it went up against some conference title games and football, but like Kansas, Duke, and Allen Field, Oscar Cameron Indoor. There's maybe people picking basketball over football at that point to watch that game. So, Um, one other note on the UConn one uh, it's not a home and home. That was just the scheduled game in the Big 12 Big East. So, I would have to think that next year we'll either go to UConn or I don't know, go to Marquette or something. God, I want to go beat UConn after social media. Dude, their fans were, they sucked. 
online. The fan, I sat next to fans in Allen Fieldhouse. They're very nice. It's That's a classic so... version of like Twitter is not real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But can we talk more okay. about Twitter not being real life? And yes, Whoa. you take it over, AB. Do you want to get to K State stuff now? Yeah, let's do it. There's, we're on. <laughs> There's a few things that we just need to talk about about that school, and we can go as far back as them laughing at Kotal Nikki leaving for another job, and then 48 hours later, Colin Klein leaving for another job, or how they started rumors about a certain quarterback that plays at KU going to play football and transfer at USC because of a transfer bag, and then their starting quarterback transfers and goes to USC. Or we could go to the fact that they gave a shit for 20 years about not filling up the football stadium, and our response every time was, well, we're just not that good. Why would we spend our Saturdays and waste our money going to watch them? And now they're bad at basketball, and they're complaining about showing up to games, and they're crying, and Tang's like, you guys need to show up, you need to show up. And it's like everything they say, it turns back on their heads, and their program is folding. Basketball, football, Tang's going to be gone in three months. Like, Climb might be gone in 10 months when Ferentz leaves Iowa. Like, they're – it, it's just so insane to me. Their fan base, the things that they say, the things that they live and die on, all-time history. You know what the, You know what I saw a lot of on Sunday? All-time history of Nebraska basketball. Okay, so no no well, tournament wins. No tournament wins. But if anyone brings up history when it's negative towards K-State, Oh, what about the what about last year? What about the most recent game? How about this last run that we've been on? Okay, well, great. You weren't even alive for those stats. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it's it's genuinely insane to me how hypocritical and how much they move the goalposts and all the shit that they say. And then if we say anything back to them, they're just like, Why are you guys so obsessed with us? When in reality, they're the ones where if something happens, I'm gonna get a little serious here for a second. KU had a player that had to leave the program because of legal issues. Rightfully so. You know what I saw a lot of on Twitter.com? K-State fan accounts. They're not even like, oh, this is the right thing. They tweet a link to that like, oh, of fucking course KU has criminals on their team. They don't give a fuck about the victim. They don't care about what the fuck happened. All they care about is that guy was supposed to wear Kansas across his chest. They don't give a shit. So they they harp on us for years. Oh, dirty program. And, of course, Bill Self recruits guys like that, this and that. They get a guy in legal trouble and the president steps in. Apparently, that's what they've wanted all this time. If you get in legal trouble, you're kicked off the team. You should have the right to play or your fucking whole school's trash. President does just that. Guess what they do? January 6th all over again. They storm the president's house and make it this fucking huge deal because Naquan Tomlin can't play basketball at K-State anymore. And it's hilarious. It's funny to watch. I'm not even like trying to defend their president right now because he's cowering away like a little pussy like that whole school is where, oh, don't scream fuck KU, how this but is gonna go we're gonna we're gonna go with Sandstorm because you know you, it just gets the crowd pumped. But in three hours, we're gonna put out a statement saying, "Oh, we don't we don't stand for the chance coming out of our student section." And then this guy goes to the game yesterday. You know, has to sit his ass next to the athletic director. And apparently, I saw this. I'm actually with K State fans on this one. You can't have every <laughs> single game say. Welcome to this Kansas State basketball game, and everyone's welcome by President Linton and all this. And then the day or the first game back from all this drama going down, you sit in front row by the AD, and you don't even have that be called. You're just cowering away from the attention. And I get it. I wouldn't want to be booed either at my own school. But at the end of the day, it's just beautiful. I'm going to wrap up here. Beautiful to see all those people, just (laughs) everything that they say to us, just get spun right back on them. It's the most ironic and poetic thing I've ever seen. And I can't go another episode without calling it out because it's funny and we live for stuff like this and if this is going to be a rivalry there's going to be shit talk back and forth and i feel like we have the upper ground right now so i'm gonna go in on it it 
I don't I don't know how to describe it. Like you know when someone's hot and you say things like, "Oh, they're on a heater." Like K-State's on the complete opposite of whatever a heater is. Mm-hmm. Like like you laid it all out. The Klein stuff right after Kotel Nicky, the uh the Tomlin stuff, like the Nebraska loss. It it's an utter disaster what's happening there. And the thing that's crazy and I'm just looking at this from not even like me disliking and laughing at K-State. Do you know how hard – I mean, they have a pretty solid setup right now with Gene Taylor, who's made two really good hires. Kleiman's mm-hmm. good coach, clearly. Tang's awesome. We all know that. It it would take a lot to have a spot where if you last year would have told someone, like, what are the odds that neither of those coaches are gone by the end of last year and it's not – because they got offered like a mega major job upgrade. Like deals got, I don't know about climbing, but Tang could take a job that is like same level of K-State. Like I think he's at a point where he, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but like it's clear they're not all on the same page. And like, it's crazy to think that K-State now in the last 15 years has had Frank Martin and Jerome Tang both potentially be ran out by an athletic director and a president for jobs that really weren't even like, like Miami. Yeah. Martin took it and it's, you moved from Manhattan, Kansas to Miami, but like Miami basketball was nothing at that point. Like it wasn't like this major job he left because he hated his boss. And that's what you're going to see with Tang. I think there's nothing about his answer the other day. So like it very, it is just a, even if it wasn't K state, this could be another program. It's crazy to think that that's happened twice now in a 15-year span to a school that, I don't know, I, coincidences are a thing, but maybe it's something about, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's wild, and it, it is funny. But Very funny. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, they scored 12 <clears throat> points in the second half. We can't let that slip away too. 12 points. That's it's just funny. Like the coaching thing, how they they just they think Manhattan is this like amazing place and Kansas State is like this huge brand. So it's like they think it's insane for you to even mention Jerome Tang leaving even before this year. I know we've talked about this. Like I got abused on Twitter for saying that someone they should interview him and people were like well bill k-state fans were like well bill self's gonna leave or bill self's gonna go to the nba how about they interview him okay one of the best coaches in the country at maybe the best college basketball program in the country like yeah that that makes a lot of sense so and then the quarterback thing is so funny to me because you you mentioned the will howard thing and of course they immediately say well we knew that was coming which is true yeah, but they started the Jalen Daniels rumor. Like, there is no way in hell we would start a rumor about a star player at their school going somewhere else just because they faked an injury. And obviously, a beat writer talked about it and brought it up. And it's just so funny that that QB is going to the school that they thought he was going to. And then they, yeah, they cracked their jokes about Koto Nicky, KU screwed, and then a guy that almost won the Heisman at Kansas State leaves a couple hours later to go to Texas A&M, which is a huge brand. I don't blame either OC, but it is so funny how delusional that fan base is. Like they think they win all these national titles and they do all this and they do all that. And their biggest, what's the big, biggest win in Kansas state athletics program history? Is it? Oh, I love this question. Brandon. Oklahoma in 2003. And they still played the national title game. TCU. Probably last year. 
championship and they played in the national title game and didn't even need to win the game. But I'm not trying My- to hate on K-State. They won, but they, they're so they're so delusional. We've always said this, that they legit think it's real to call Kansas little brother. Like they call us little brother and they think like they think that's real. Like they don't they don't think it's a joke. Like they we own this state, which I know is part of the rivalry, but they actually think that they are big brother to a program that or a school that has the winningest program, the winningest program in a certain sport and has won multiple national titles. And they I don't they don't really do much more than us in football. I know they go to a bunch of bowl games and they've beaten us a lot of years in a row. That's why this year really sucked because right after we lose, you guys are idiots for thinking you should have won or could have won. No, we KU was the better team without two quarterbacks, which I know is an excuse, but so frustrating losing to them in football again when we were better and they just immediately bring up the past years since Mangino's gone, which rightfully so, but calling us little brother still is insane. Like I say, if we were, if we were fans of KU and K-State was doing what KU did, I would be embarrassed that our fans would call them little brothers. I, I think that's wild. Yeah. And my, go ahead. You go ahead, AB. No, I was just going to say this goes back a minute or so, but my favorite K-State uh, performance ever is when Baylor doubled them up when K-State was 10-0, and number one in the country. Just had to win a game to get to the natty. Just Dude, had. I mean, and this is we're, – we're just piling on at this That's point. That's why I think but they're so sensitive because they've been through heartbreak. I'll but give think that. about – just think about this. So you go back to, what, 98? All yeah. they got to do is hold a lead against A&M and their best quarterback in program history fumbles the football. You think back to 2000 <laughs> – uh 2009 in college basketball they make an elite eight all they got to do in 2010 yeah 2010 all they got to do is beat butler obviously butler's a good ncaa tournament team but like you beat butler you make a final four two years later as ab laid out you beat baylor you're going to a national title game you are going there wasn't a big 12 title game back then and they probably win you're going to the national title game yeah and like they lose a game to a bail it wasn't Bay- good Baylor no. was bad Baylor. You look at 20, uh, uh, fifth, 2019, 2018, Elite Eight. They play Loyola Chicago. <laughs> all they got to do kids. is make all they got to do is beat Loyola Chicago. And they go to a final four. They and lose, we they get blown to, out. We went, we that go year. to the final four. And then in 2022, 2023, my gosh, years are just flying by. 2023. They make an elite eight and the basketball gods say, you know what? We're going to really help you this time. We're giving you Florida Atlantic. Like surely you guys cannot screw up Florida Atlantic. We've given you Butler. Then we tried Loyola Chicago. We're giving you Florida Atlantic. And they still lost that game with two elite basketball players. I mean, Noel's home state. Noel was a star. Like that guy put on one of the best NCAA. It is crazy the things that that fan base has gone through and as i'm saying this all out loud it all makes sense that's why they're angry that's why they're angry they're not mad at us they're mad at their team i could just throw really quick right back we've got as many elite eight losses we got more elite eight losses we've got heartbreak in football we had 15 years of a team that wasn't worth literal a piece of shit like that is every team goes through heartbreak 
We lost national well, championships. We've lost final we've four lost, games. We lost we, to VCU and Northern well, we Iowa. We Elite Eight every other. We also, the difference is we we've have also won a eight. national championship, too. <laughs> and and that school has never experienced in the last 15 years. Like, we've experienced, like, the Big 12 title. You joke that TCU is the biggest program win. Like, we experience <laughs> that quite literally every single year in basketball. And I know it's not the complete same, but it it is just crazy to think about what that fan base and that program, those programs have, I mean, that thing I just ran through the Butler Ford Atlantic. It's crazy. And, that's and then the Baylor, they were a big so favorite against A&M too. in that big 12 title game. Well, my thing is too, and I've, I've made this argument forever, but you hear it all the time with sports GMs and even fantasy sports GM, the people that analyze it. Everyone always says when there's a proposed trade mocked up or a mock, you know, NBA trade machine and all this, the number one rule of that is if you get the best player, you win the you win the deal. Like always go for the best player in the deal because that always ends up, you know, working out. Here's my comparison to the two. This is this is a long way around. Just be ready. If you were to take Patrick Mahomes and Jarek McKinnon and trade him, trade those two for fuck man, DeAndre Hopkins and a pretty average like offensive tackle deandre hopkins is bad let's say two average one average offensive player and one average defensive player you're never making that deal right so my Mm -hmm. point is you have one elite program with kansas basketball and you have one below average to bad program in ku football versus an average basket probably a below average basketball program most years probably average ish overall and above average for football. I know they want to claim that they're much better than above average in football. They're simply not. Nothing proves that they're any better than that. They've they've what one BCS win, one or New hey. Year's six, whatever those Bulls game bull games are called. So do we. So do fucking we. So like, <laughs> it's like their self awareness of where that program is at with basketball, football, brand, whatever it may be. It's just crazy. But like, I I feel crazy saying that right now because that's all we've talked about that forever. Like we knew this 20 years ago, and we I say it all the time. It's my favorite thing to go to. They made a decade of dominance DVD, and they won one conference championship in that decade or zero. It might be zero. No, they won one. They oh, won in like it, 98 or so. Oh, no, they lost. No. I think 2003, but I don't know that that was part oh, yeah, of that yeah. video. It so was it's like, like a- my point is, it's like there are teams in your conference that are winning national championships, and you can't even win a conference championship, and you have the gall. To make a DVD and sell at Walmart that they still sell at Walmart and play on a loop at the Walmart TV section in Manhattan, Kansas, saying that you dominated. Like, let's just get some self self worth yeah. realization going here. And like, you guys are very passionate, supportive fans. I get it. I'd want to root for it. I like to hype my teams up that are root for the Royals. Aren't the worst team in baseball? No, that couldn't be the thing. No, the Bulls are awesome. The Bulls might win the finals this year. The Blackhawks are so back. But here's the thing. Reality is very fucking different. Just because you think that you're this good doesn't mean you are that good. K-State Athletics is the perfect example of that. I'm not saying KU doesn't have those fans either. I'm sure there are KU football tweets that have this same energy behind it. I guarantee yeah. um, But basketball-wise, you can't really say shit to us. Yeah, we choke every once in a while. Who doesn't? Go look, at the, go look at any NCAA tournament record since Bill Self has gotten to Kansas. You can go further back. I'm just putting a stop gate on this to make it easy because we always say in the Bill Self era. I promise you, there's no other program or team that has more NCAA tournament wins, more appearances, more one seeds, two seeds, three seeds, four seeds, right? Yeah, Every yeah, single goddamn year. It's consistent. They can't say shit. 
we can say shit to them. They can't say shit to us. It's basketball season. And one more thing, all the shit that they like to say about, oh, can't tweet about football during basketball season, or can't tweet about basketball during football season. Oh, you guys already moved on to basketball. It's October 12th. I uh, saw a lot of tweets this weekend about Nebraska football from K-State fans. So. Mm. It, it's just, it's, again, moving the goalposts left and right, whatever they think fits their narrative, and everyone does it. I get it. But at the end of the day, you're going to get called out on it because I'm tired of fucking seeing it. And also, <laughs> last thing, I swear to God, last thing, I'm going to call out one specific Twitter account because for whatever reason, they always pop up oh, on my no. For You page. Yesterday, after the game, I see a tweet from Special Teams U. He said that he – yeah, I know. Trust me, it gets crazier. He himself – said that he was starting to lose his energy as a K-State fan and didn't care as much as he used to. And it doesn't hit the same as much. I can get that. Like, we get older. And I think all three of us have even said this. I don't know if it's been on the pod or just talking, you know, privately outside of the pod. When you get older, you do lose a little bit of interest. That's fine. What I don't love about that is since that tweet, he's tweeted about 747 times with either KU jokes or K-State tweets after that. So it's like... They lose a the game. They want to act like they don't care. They win. Well, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I never left. I'm back. Oh, football's back? Sweet. I'll come to that one. Basketball? No. No, they don't deserve it. No, 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 no. Um, All right, I'm cutting have, you off. I'm on to B-turn. I have <laughs> just one more thing about the self-awareness thing, and I feel maybe, maybe I'm wrong here, but I know Kansas State, they had – I mean, they were one of the worst – football programs in the country until Snyder got there. It's one of the best turnarounds ever. We just went through one of the worst stretches ever. We were the worst power five football school in the country. And Lance year two goes to a bowl game. Their fans immediately start making fun of KU because they still don't have a winning season. The next year, eight and four, same exact record. And they, there's like no, um, they give no credit to what Leipold and what KU football has done. Like, I feel like as just a sports fan, I would at least recognize like if Kansas state did that, like what they did and how amazing of a turnaround that is to go from winless to back-to-back bowl wins or back-to-back bowl appearances. Um, and they like, they just refuse to admit KU's even good. Like even when we, we played K-State should have won and they, thought we were just absurd for saying we were the better team, blah, blah, blah. Um, We finished with the exact same record as them. Like what makes Kansas state that much better than us first off? But yeah, like the self-awareness, they won't give KU any credit. Um, And and then another, another thing too is the attendance. They, I mean, how, of of course you're going to joke about empty stands, but they, it was every week for a decade of them tweeting pictures of our stands at football games. And like, yeah, we weren't going to go to the games. They were the worst team in the country. No one's wasting their Saturday going to that. And then now we fill the stands, get these sellouts. And then they make fun of me and Vern Bry for giving tickets away. And they make fun of our fans for leaving at halftime. So even filling the stands and having sellouts isn't enough. And our fans don't care. We don't care about football still. We can only tweet about basketball. But then when we do tweet about football, they make fun of us because you guys suck. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, can't win. You but, really can't win with them. Like, I, would, would you guys not give credit to K-State if they turned around their football program? We have quickly? given credit to K-State multiple times on this very podcast. We hate them. We can recognize when they're good. Last year, we sucked Tang like no other. We like to joke around and give out, like, the only thing we could say about Jerome Tang last year was the corniness. That's literally all we said about them last year, I feel like. Like, 
I may have said they may lose every game in February. They almost did, but like, <laughs> um, <laughs> um oh, I, I don't know, boys. Boys, and saying how much they hate win the game the rest of the month. I remember when you were so confident with that prediction. Well, I want to see what they did. It was February, right? Just had a, a live reaction to uh, bad predictions. It is absurd how much they hate Kansas. I know it's a rivalry, and our fans are arrogant and confident, but okay. my God, they hate us. And by the way, it's worse right now because Twitter's algorithm, the For You page, like you said, AB, it, they figured it out. I mean, all I get is KU, K-State banter, and they're doing, they're feeding it. It's at all time. It's why AB just went on an unhinged 20-minute rant because his brain has been fed with K-State tweets yeah. for weeks. Yeah. That makes that makes me actually it makes me feel a little bit better about myself that you were also getting all those tweets on your for you page because at first I was like, well shit, maybe I need to take a step back. Maybe I am the one to blame for all these K State fan account tweets popping up on my for you page. But I tweet about, I quote them way more often than you do. I feel like if Ryan's yeah, talking shit know. on K State, it's just like a not vanilla. Jayhawk, that sounds mean. Jayhawk but it's tight like a, talk was texting me that his is like that too. Yeah, because yeah. well, I don't I re- interact with it very much. No, so I remember that week where Ryan was like, he was telling me like, just don't interact with him. Like, I don't know how you see all this banter. So that's like when it really started for me. I was just seeing K State stuff all the time, constantly. Yeah, Twitter. I mean, it's just like the news. It's why everything you read on the news is negative, and it's like why everything's so divisive. And the Twitter algorithm. I mean, that's what drives engagement. That's what gets A.B. to tweet. A.B. hardly ever tweets, but a K-State fan tweets something funny or that he thinks is stupid, A.B. is going to get involved. Like in divisiveness, anger, dumb people arguing with passionate fans, like it's it's just a perfect combination for all-time engagement. And I'll tell you this, Twitter, Twitter was dead. It felt dead a few months ago. Like I was like, back. this sucks. It's so back. And it's bad that it took this type of stuff, but like – it's been – it's horrible. It's bad for our brains. But, boy, is Twitter back in a big way with all this all this stuff. But I just want to lay out one last thing. Well, it doesn't have to be. If AB wants to rant 30 more minutes, he can. But we'll see what comes Imagine – so you said the thing about, like, KU's had heartbreak. KU's done this. Imagine if KU basketball – we'd been fans our whole life. And imagine if our – We've played three Elite Eights, and they were VCU, Oregon, and UC. I don't even know. Like, what's a bad Elite Eight loss we've had in the last 20 years? Villanova, 2016. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. So, like, imagine games where we were clear favorite. VCU, Villanova, and the other one I said that I just forgot. Oregon. Oregon. Imagine... Like that's basically, imagine if that's all we had. That is all we had. We played in those three Elite Eight games. We lost them all. That is how their basketball program, that is what their fan base has gone through the last 20 years. So maybe, maybe it is okay they're angry. I'd be angry too. <laughs> I would be mean too. So, but it's, it's their fault. Like that, that's <laughs> my thing with this, guys. Like, again, I really like AB you, needs to see a therapist when it comes to Kansas State fans. But if you objectively look at their football and basketball season by season records, accomplishments, tournament, where they go in the tournament, first of all, I will say this K State's a basketball school, not a football school. We'll get back to this later. 
because oh, I've been on this God. for a long time. Oh. Not later today. I mean, like, later in the oh. following years because this has been something I've been saying for a decade. Their basketball program has done a lot more than their football program in the last 15 years. They just have, like, three Elite Eights. Tell me how many times KU football or K-State football has finished in the top eight. <laughs> or won a, won a bowl game. To, like, so, like, that's that's my point, though. It's like... They are setting themselves up for failure because they view their football program like their KU basketball level, and they view their basketball program like their KU basketball level, and they just fucking aren't. They're not, and they're never going to be, and that's not a problem because if they if they took one step back on expectations, they'd be the happiest fan base in the world because every year in football, they're going 8-4, and 9-3. and three. Every decade, you're going to win a conference championship. I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. We give it shit all the time. I would sign up for that in one second if that's what you told me KU football would do in the next 10 years. Win a conference championship, go to a bowl game nine out of 10 years, like be ranked every year pretty much. Like That's a good program. The problem is they think that they should be going for national championships. They just won't. Same thing with basketball. <laughs> it's Kansas State basketball. This guy. It's I don't Kansas care. I'm, I'm over like, this. We've gone 25 minutes. I can't do it anymore. I know. One but more it's, thing. It's expectations that kill them. They are doing it to themselves. If they had regular expectations for what their program proves to them year after year after year, <laughs> what they are, they would be much happier people. One more thing. I think you guys are going to like this. Can you imagine? <clears throat> Actually, I'm going to say, why couldn't we be alive in 1988? Oh, my God. When we beat them. If Twitter was alive, holy shit. In the Elite Eight and then win a national title. Like, to beat them is cool, but then to take it to the next level and actually win a title in Kansas City. Like, and they beat us once or twice that year, I forget, but. Oh, yeah. Swept us, I think. Yeah, and we were, oh, my God. Can you imagine, Anthony, if social media was a thing or just AB at the game? Let's, let's do this. Next episode, if we remember, <clears> I want to come back and do a uh, – like a draft or something where we talk about the best games from KU's history where Twitter would have been the best. Like even like Marquette. Oh, I've got, Final I've got Four. one for sure. <laughs> so let's not blow it. Maybe let's, let's tease that. Cause we've gone, I'm sure nobody's still listening to this. We just did 25 minutes on K state. So uh, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Guy angry about us for talking LeBron. We'll see how you feel about this one. Uh, <laughs> But can I can I bring up one more random commenter from people that involved this pod that I have never laughed harder at a tweet ever in my entire life. Ryan, you'll know what I'm talking about. This guy, no profile picture tweets at you and he's like, I can't believe how bad self is in the transfer portal and yada, 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 yada. yada. He can't get anyone to visit. I went to his page. It's all that, too. And then you just responded with. Dude, he literally just got Hunter Dickinson in the transfer portal. Yeah. I don't well, know if said... it was the moment. It just killed me. It was so funny. No, the all-time funniest on Rise <clears throat> Twitter was when we played the we played the Groves Twins in the tournament first round, and someone commented, I'm pretty sure he was a serious, but he's like, well, well, because we escaped that game. He goes, well, at least we don't have to play Twins this next week. And you're like, well, boy, no. do I have a <laughs> – No, he said – Mobley, who was a top uh, five we, pick. We... <laughs> We tweeted about Mo I tweeted about Mobley and he goes, Hey, well at least Mobley doesn't have a brother or a twin brother. And I said, Brother, do I have news for you? And it was just like, no way. Like I remember that dude messaging me being like, I cannot believe that. But yeah, A B, that was so funny. I think he said something like, This is what self gets for striking out in the in the 
in the transfer portal or, or, or completely missing in a transfer portal. He got the best transfer portal player in history of the portal. Like, it's just so funny. And that's where I like to wrap this up when it comes to this KU team. There is, we're, people are going to be negative all year because it's never going to be pretty. We're going to play ugly. We're going to lose some bad games. But, like, at the end of the day, we've got really good players. And it it's going to be nauseating to see how negative people are about this team. But we got to remember, Hunter Dickinson, we would have killed to have Hunter Dickinson last year. We would have killed to have Kevin McCuller playing at the level. Like, everything's going to be okay. And I don't know. We've seen it time and time again. This is what Twitter, our fan base, this is what it's going to be. But I'm just going to try my best, and I say this all the time, to enjoy the ride and accept what it is. We're not beautiful. We're not going to play beautiful basketball, but we've got some dudes, and that's what's uh... – Guys being dudes. So, A.B., any thoughts on K-State? No, but I did find the tweet that we were just talking about, if you guys want to hear it, to wrap up. Yes. Yeah. That was so awesome. Ryan tweets, Timberlake is unreal. Oh. Twitter account. Tennessee gets Dalt. Is it Connect? Dalton yeah. connects in the portal, and we get Timberlake. Fucking brutal. Self has put together some of the worst possible recruiting classes for an elite program. It's insane and inexcusable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Literally got Hunter Dickinson. Like, that's all I could think when I said I that. I thought you were it's saying just... the Mobley Twins tweet, because I really oh. – We'll have to find that one oh, after. Yeah, but... we'll, we'll find that. I was That's so weird you brought that up. I was explaining that tweet to Hannah the other day, like – I don't even, it's so hard to explain how so hard, dude. Yeah, yeah. Cause I was like, it's really hard to explain. We had just played these twins, they're brothers, they were really good. And then this guy, we were playing another guy, and he had a brother. And this guy did, she was like, why is that so funny? I was like, you just don't understand. And then for us to go get absolutely mopped by those two brothers, mopped. (laughs) What a weird tournament. Every day with Adriana. Every day. I'm like, look how funny this tweet is. She was like, that's why Twitter – that's like, why we have to be so careful to – AP, what you just did, that 25-minute rant's not good. Not good for the health because Twitter is a fake place. No, it's no, no. It's just not real. For sure. But you know what else isn't real? Us three talking on a podcast. Like, it's just like – like, I'm just – it's just a different platform that we're probably going to post on Twitter anyway. So, like, I think this is the perfect place to do it. Yeah. I mean, it was – I think I think it was good for you. Was it unhinged? Good. Yeah, I yeah. love. Was I was I like I bringing it. outside personal matters into my angriness towards K State? Sure, <laughs> but like, it's just had. Like I said, it's been brewing inside sure. of me. It's been brewing inside of me for a month now because we went <sighs> we we went a week without an episode when we left the network, and then we did two hours with KU Legends. Like, imagine if I go unhinged, twenty-five minute rant when they're all sitting there. That Christian, let work. me interrupt you, but I got something to say. Yeah, yeah. And I, I tried. Know, I there were times I, I would have booted you. In. But then, like, and then last week it was KU Mizzou, and I just didn't have it in me to hate Mizzou and K State in the same pod. So I just I had to get the stuff out. There's been a lot happening over there over the last few weeks, and like I said, it's not going to go unnoticed over here. So. Hey. Sorry. We didn't think this we had much why to we... talk about, and we just went 70 minutes. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when people ask, like, why would you guys go back out on your own? It's literally yes. so AB could do what he just did. It's, it's Not best. that they told us we never could. It's just it'd be a lot more awkward if we had a producer in our chat telling us to, hey, um, maybe maybe don't talk rant about 
KU for thir- or K State for thirty minutes, but uh, about, we'll see about other K-State guys on the chair. network that. Uh... <laughs> yeah, K-State your coworkers. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a tight situation too, because I feel like the whole like we've had beef on Twitter at least with those guys forever, and then they would say something where like we used to be able to call this out on the pod, but now we can't. I yeah, I shouldn't say we. I should not say we. I should say I. I have had pass. I should not be able to. I don't know. It was a weird situation, but. Still love our guys over there. Well, oh, they're killing it. Yeah, our main guys. Uh oh, I lost. I lost. Oh, all seriousness. The three moss show. They do numbies over on KCSNU. So yeah, right. Oh, yeah. You're good if you can still hear us. Um, yeah. ran out of battery, which is a sign that we've gone way too long. Just yeah, we weird schedule coming up. We got like one game a week. BYU and which or um, Yale and Wichita State or whatever. So not too many games to recap or probably not close games who knows with us though after eastern illinois and umkc but yeah we'll have to think of like a really fun show coming up maybe trivia or top 10 moments or whatever but if you guys want to comment um in the youtube um section of just like favorite non-con road games or any games that we brought up um history wise do that and please subscribe to the channel Follow us on Twitter, Ain't No Seats Pod. Find us on social media. Kind of starting from scratch, so we need, need definitely need your guys' support. Couldn't do it without you guys. So, yeah, subscribe, subscribe. We're almost to five hundred in like a week and a half. That's amazing. Um, and go find our you or our if you listen to podcasts, go find us on Apple. Resubscribe so you get the episodes sent right to you. So it's been fun. Um, we will be back sometime next week. Uh, yeah, that's it. Thanks for if you stuck around this long. Thank you for doing so. Praying Rock for talk. you.